0: praise you and we magnify you this morning for you are great and you're greatly to be praised we thank you for the blood of the lamb the lord jesus christ that has redeemed us unto god the power in that blood we call upon the power of that blood that has set us free that has washed us cleansed us and sank We thank you, Father, for that precious blood, you joining us into relationship with you by the only means that could be done, the blood of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for paying the ultimate price, pouring out your life that we might have life, that we might have life more abundantly. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present in this place. We ask you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak. That clarity, revelation might come to our hearts and our lives concerning the connection, the relationship that we have with you, with our families, with the church family, through the blood of Jesus, that we might recognize and realize the power, the anointing, the strength, the wisdom, and the understanding that we have and we now possess through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by the power of your spirit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. It's great to see you. Why don't you greet three or four people around you once again? Tell them that you're glad that they're here this morning. After you've greeted a few people, uh, you can uh, open your Bibles with me to Proverbs uh, chapter three, Proverbs chapter three, and uh, I just want to let you know of a few things, and I just right now forgot what they were. Oh, (laughs) praise the Lord. I got a a few things going on in my mind today, but uh, um, first of all, uh, four people gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ in the last week. And so we so appreciate you. And then just right after service, um, uh, got testimonies, awesome testimony, one a healing testimony or, or a remission testimony. Somebody had gone in for a test with something that they're dealing with uh, that really, uh, the doctors say, uh, really continues uh, and, and it is stopped. And now we're believing for remission and uh, they did not have to have uh, and receive treatment this year because it has stopped. In It's operation and now we're believing for remission and total health and healing Amen and then just the uh, importance many times we don't see the importance of of bringing people and connecting them We don't know how they're going to react but uh, a young lady uh, came out and uh, said I just want to tell you uh, I think she's actually headed back home, but uh, I want to just tell you that I came here. My friend invited me to the ladies conference and uh, she said I'm recovering from addiction uh, things were going on. I, I needed a break. My friend invited me. I came during the ladies' conference. I got filled with the Holy Spirit uh, and uh, just really committed recommitted her life and she said, "You know, when I came here, I used to cuss every other word was a cuss word. so you'll see I, I threatened to cuss uh, first service, but uh, didn't cuss just so you know um, Anyway, she said, I didn't know what you were going to say, but I, it just stirred in me. Um, since I began praying in the Holy Ghost, I quit cussing. Praise God. She said, I, It just used to be part of my verbiage. I start praying in the Holy Ghost, I don't cuss anymore. I've been delivered from cussing, right? And so her whole life has changed. She's ready to go home. She said, uh, I'm going into, uh, you know, back into a rough situation, but I'm going to be a light and I'm going to be salt because God has totally changed my life while I've been here, and she said, I, I, I've been looking and, and asking about a church like this where I live because it's so transformed my life, amen? And so, you know, sometimes we come every day and we get uh, used to it, but God's doing things in people's lives uh, that are incredibly, incredibly powerful, uh, saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, and prospered because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and the message of that truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's good news. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And uh, all of heaven is very excited about that right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, we're going to start a new series or connect or uh, or uh, link some series together. And, and because of that, I want to go back um, to what Uh, As we began to pray last December, I can't believe that we're almost in November already, but as we began to pray last December, and the Lord instructed us to pray into the next two years, and so we still have a a year and a couple months as we're looking into that place. But as we got into that, there were some specific scriptures and and words that God gave us that I want to connect to this last couple of months of, the new year, uh, uh, of this year, moving into the new year. And I believe it's vitally important to who we are uh, as a local church, but who we are as the church. It's vitally important to our relationship with Jesus. Uh, it's vitally important to our relationship with our, our families, as we've been talking about the mindset of marriage and our thinking concerning this. It's uh, vitally important to how we look at the relationships that we have in the church. And not just the local church, although the local church is very important, the local church is connected to other local churches that we make up the church, right? And sometimes we don't view that in a way that that, that is helpful to us or to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're going to talk about these uh, covenant connections that God has made. The world, uh, you know, we, we constantly are looking at and talking about, and the world's talking about <coughs> relationship. I was discussing with a pastor friend of mine this week who was in a conference where the speaker said that he was talking to a a doctor, and the doctor said right now at epidemic proportions that's creating uh, more death, more issues in people's lives, sicknesses, uh, uh, ailments in their life right now, uh, more than uh, diseases is aloneness, aloneness. Aloneness. Wow, come on now, just stay with me and think about it. We have the internet. People get thrilled and tell us how many friends they have, how many followers they have, yet, aloneness is at epidemic, epidemic proportions. We cry out for community, but we're not sure exactly what community looks like, not anymore. So there's a cry of our hearts, yet, you know, even as, as Christians, you know, in evangelism, we get to the part, we, we have our, our good, strong phrase, you know, that we're going to convince people, listen, when I'm sharing Jesus with you, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. But we don't know how to have a relationship. So almost inevitably, because we don't know how to have any depth of relationship, we fall back to religion. And that's not what God ever wanted us to do. God wants to understand us to understand the depth of relationship. And as I begin to study and look at this, I think what He was saying to us, and, and we'll see some things here at the beginning of the year to carry through will help us, uh, hopefully, to connect uh, to what we're talking about here, talking about divine connection and covenant relationships. And so in Proverbs chapter three, we're going to start in verse one. It says, "My son, do not forget." My law, my, my translation says law, but in the context of this, if we understand what he's talking about, the law, the law was basically just his terms for the old covenant. We, we, we may break into that as we go, but terms. So let's just put it this way. We won't be on, be on beyond the scope of God's thinking here. He says, my son, do not forget my covenant. Do not forget my covenant. As Zane just read there in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, you're going to come into great blessing. I'm going to bring you by covenant, I'm going to bring you into a place, and, and when you come into this blessed place, you're going to build houses, you're going to start businesses, you're going to start to prosper, and you're going to be tempted to say, look at what I have done for myself. And he says, but don't you do that. He said, you remember, you remember, it is the Lord your God who's given you the power to get wealth, that he may do what? Establish his covenant on the earth. Yeah. Now, if you read on, he said, but if you forget and go and begin to serve other gods, he said, the blessing will not be on you. And we'll get into that just a little bit more. But our understanding of covenant, and when we begin to look at it, we begin to, you know, we get very, uh, uh, we kind of throw our shoulders back and say, you know what, we're under the New Testament. And uh, we don't abide by the old law. And we get to that way. But what we start to do is we start to debate, as Zane said, we start to try to find our, our path of least resistance. But what you have to understand is that the division is between an old covenant, and a new covenant. And the new covenant is based on better promises. So you can look at the law and grace, and they have something to do with it, but if you take covenant out of the picture, you're always going to find yourself wanting and wondering why the depth of relationship is not working in your situation. Because you don't understand covenant. But if we can draw from this and begin to understand covenant and the language of the scriptures, which is, whether old or new, is covenant relationship that takes place. Then the idea and the understanding of us being engrafted into Christ And old things being passed away. And behold, everything. Somebody say everything. Everything becoming new. And now everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Everything is of God. Why? Because through covenant, he reconciled us to himself. Through covenant, not simply of my own works, not my own ability, what I do or don't do, all that. Now, look at I've done something new. No, something happened, a transformation of life, that when you made a covenant, you made a commitment to God, you were engrafted into Christ, and now everything is new. You're no longer connected or born under Adam's sin, but you've been born again through covenant. With Jesus Christ. So when we say, you know what, this is just the way things have been, this is the way things are, this is the way they'll always be based on how they've been, you don't understand covenant. When you get stuck in the past and what you've done and how that is, we're in trouble. We get into religion because the covenant of blood through Jesus Christ the writer of Hebrews tells us, "Cleanse us once and for all. He said the old covenant was a covenant based on the blood of bulls and goats, which was only able to cover sin. And so once every year, they had to go in, they had to go through the process just for covering. But the new covenant is based on the promise that once for everybody through all time, the great high priest of our faith, Went into not the Holy of Holies under the tent made with man, made by man, but went to the real Holy of Holies before the Father God in heaven. And he sprinkled his own blood one time for everybody, for not the covering, but for the removal of all sin. And he said, Where there is the remission or the removal of sin. There is no longer any need for sacrifice. So we're like, well, you don't know what's happened to me. I get it. But you don't understand covenant. Because the moment we start making excuses for our mistakes, our wrongdoings, once we start to protect those, The enemy is going to continually have place to kill, steal, and destroy areas of our life that God's ordained for us to walk in. But the moment we see what the power of the blood has done and the entering into that covenant has done for us, it changes everything. It changes our outlook on life. It changes, and what I hope for us to see is it changes relationships. And there's all kinds of relationships, you know. There's internet relationships. There's there's the friends you have on Facebook and Instagram and all of that. And and that's all worldly. And and you can have a, a measure of the gospel and putting that out there. But there is no understanding of covenant connection in that type of relationship. And so God's ordained really uh, that you may come up with other ones, but just for the sake of not getting too broad, uh, three principal relationships that God has ordained. When we talk about covenant relationships, every one of them has covenant. Our relationship with God is a covenant relationship. It's not made by man, it's a covenant relationship. Marriage, as we've been talking about, is a covenant relationship. It was designed by God. God made marriage, not man. And he instituted it and made it a covenant relationship, a binding relationship. And the church body is a relationship ordained and created by God himself. Man did not create the church. Jesus created the church and the relationship that we have with one another and the functioning relationship that we have. So even to further the vision of New Creation Church, every member in their place, the body, To understand covenant helps us. Because even in the body, so many times we don't have an understanding of covenant, we start to see, well, I have gifts and talents, and most people, not everyone, but many people get offended in the church only simply because you didn't let me do what I wanted to do. Never thinking about what am I supposed to be doing and how am I fulfilling the will of God in being here and connecting with others in the body rather than just getting to do what we want to do. So as we launch into that, as we break into that, there's such, uh, I believe, revelation that God has for us that if we'll give attention to it, as he says here, as we give attention to it, we don't forget it. So he says, don't forget or remember the Lord your God, right, who's given you the power to get wealth. Remember the covenant. So over and over, he tells the children of Israel, remember the covenant don't draw up from forgetfulness. Remember, keep in the forefront of your thinking every single day the covenant. So how many of you have the covenant that you have with God in the forefront of your thinking every single day? Not too many of us, right? Because the enemy tries to draw things in, and and see, because we don't do what I'm about to read. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Introducing this is really tough because I studied it, I got it all in here, and now I got to try to get it out in some kind of orderly fashion. But in, in, in trying to figure out all that we have to, to connect to, all that, that, that God has given to us, we start to think, okay, my covenant with God. Bible reading time, prayer time, church. Well, God didn't say, I'm in covenant with you On Sunday. God through covenant said through this covenant. The old covenant, I'll be with you wherever you go. New covenant, I'll be in you wherever you go. Every day. I'll be there. Whatever you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. Whatever you're saying, I know what you're saying. Whatever you're doing, I know what you're doing, and I'm right there. You think I'm not there. You think I left him back at the prayer closet. I'll meet up with him later. But that's because we don't understand covenant, and he does. He's right there. All right. So he said, don't forget my covenant. Let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So, God doesn't have anything ill in mind for you. He has blessing in mind in the covenant. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Sight of God and man. So, what happened? I mean, just look at this. The writer of Proverbs said it. Jesus comes. From the time Jesus is 12 until he's 30, what's he doing? He's growing in his knowledge of his covenant relationship with the Father. Why? Because it says here, when if you'll remember the covenant, it'll add length of days, but it'll also give you esteem and favor with God and with man. After Jesus was 12, went home to be with his parents at 12, he said, i got to be about my father's business. They said, no, you're going to come home. From the time he was 12 till he entered into his ministry at 30, it said he was growing in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. He was walking in his covenant. Pay with God and man. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways. Somebody say, all your ways. All in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. God's pretty big about health and strength. Yeah. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase." So your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. He goes on to say some things. So one thing, our culture has brought us to the point of not liking correction. If you love me, you won't correct me. Totally opposite of God. If you love somebody and you see something wrong, you bring correction part of covenant relationship. But when you know part of covenant relationship is I'm correcting you for your benefit, not for mine. See, we're always afraid that somebody wants to get the upper hand with us. We understand covenant, we have each other's back. We're intricately joined by something deeper than ourselves. We're intricately joined by a covenant of blood, not of our own, but of the blood of Jesus. And we're linked together. Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Verse 1, he says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity. Anybody had any fret over evildoers recently? If you watch the news, you might. He said, don't do that. Don't get all fretful about that. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. So go ahead and dwell in the land, occupy the land, and feed on his faithfulness. His faithfulness to what? His faithfulness to his covenant. God is faithful to the covenant that he made to every single generation. Faithful to his covenant. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall direct your path. So we see right here in two scriptures where he continually said, commit. First service I said this, you know, before I started out, I said, you know, uh, just forgive me, I'm about to cuss in church. In our culture today, the word commit is like a cuss word. It's like, oh my God, is anybody willing to commit to anything? I mean... You know, not you all. You all probably signed up way ahead of time and committed to the ladies' conference, the men's conference, things that we're doing. No, we always wait, holding on to our options for what? To see if something comes around better for me. But that's not covenant thinking. It's not covenant thinking. He said, you commit your ways to me. And when I have your ways, then I can do something with what you've given to me. But he says, you can't wait and wait and wait and see what I'm going to do to then commit. He said, you're going to have to understand covenant. Covenant takes a commitment. He says, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. Do not fret because of him who is prospering uh, uh, in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. And forsake wrath, do not fret, it only causes harm. So you say, well, how do we do that? When you understand that you are in covenant with him. You're enclosed by him. Turn over to Romans chapter twelve. Romans chapter twelve. Starting in verse one, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. There's a number of places that talk about that giving your body as a sacrifice of worship to God. Paul's speaking in covenant terms here. And so at any time when we establish, a covenant is established. And we'll go through this in, in, in probably next week. We'll talk about this process of covenant that is made. And the importance of the process of the covenant. When we look at all the things that scripture talks about, that process of covenant. But one of the beginning processes of covenant is you look and you say, who am I going to join myself in covenant to and why? And certainly, I, I, hopefully you all know why you join yourself in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. Because without him, your eternal destiny without him is full of torment, darkness, and the fires of hell. That's just a fact. And with him, there's a relationship with the creator of the universe and your creator who put divine giftings and callings and strengths on the inside of you and has an eternal purpose and plan for your life. And so we give our hearts to him. Marriage that divine covenant that we have. We talked about the other, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and the vow of the covenant that you make. He said, uh, God was there in marriage overseeing the vows that you make, and you've cheated on those vows. So I I took the marriage vows that I do uh, as a pastor. Uh, I have, you know, sometimes people write their own vows, but I have a a set uh, uh, vows that I do. And uh, so we read those which basically are, I promise to be faithful as your husband or wife in every aspect of life, in sickness, in health, in poverty, and wealth, good times, bad times, whatever the situation is, I promise to be faithful. I promise to be next to you. I promise to help you achieve your dreams and fulfill what God has put on the inside of you together. I promise to do that until death do us part. So he said, what? You're giving your life to the other person, a living sacrifice in covenant, right? And so it is when we enter into covenant with Jesus. But most people don't recognize this. They're just like, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to pray that prayer, and I'm going to get to heaven. We've done a little bit of injustice, but if we took this time every single time there was an altar call, that's all we would do is altar calls. So I'm going to let you in on it if you don't know that. Wherever it was, whenever it was, you know, when you read Romans chapter 10, it says, you know, that if you confess Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. You'll be saved from what? Saved from eternal condemnation away from God, and you'll be brought saved from that into reconciliation or covenant relationship with God. With all of its protection, with all of its blessing, with all that he has to it, you enter into. But we run through that and go, all right, Jesus, you're Lord, and I believe you died and raised from the dead. Well, in understanding that you believe he died and raised from the dead means that you believe that he died, and when he died on the cross and was nailed to the cross, that you actually, in his mind, were in him. His death was your death to sin. And his resurrection was your resurrection from the deadness of sin to a life in covenant with God. So I believe he raised from the dead for me so that I could be forgiven of sin and raised to a newness of life. And so because I believe that, I say, here is my life. I commit my life to you, because when you said, be Lord, you said, you be the master of my life. So I'm vowing to commit my life to you. And he vowed to come in and to possess your life, to guide your life, to direct your life to protect your life, to heal, to deliver, to set free, and to make whole your life in a commitment of covenant, a vow to one another. You actually committed your life to him in a covenant vow. Because you said, you're Lord, Master. But most people walk away, and by the time they get to Highway 6, have regained control of their own life. Their own decision-making, their own thinking, their own temperament, their own emotions. I got it back, but I'm going to heaven. But we don't understand covenant. But that's why we're not walking in much more victory. Because we continually see, unless we need it, we see ourselves separate from him, not joined to him. And covenant is all about blood union. Blood union. Blood friendship. Blood brotherhood. And so when we committed to him, we made a vow. My life is now yours. And he said, and my life is now yours. So any man that be in Christ, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, now everything has become new, and now everything is a God, who reconciled us to himself, made everything new, made everything like him. His very blood begins to flow through our vein. Same DNA, same life. We're going to investigate uh, deeper about that covenant. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, 20th verse, the writer of Hebrews is closing out his letter. He says, now may the God, verse 20, now may the God of peace who brought you, brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. It says God did something in Christ Jesus to change everything, that the will and the purpose that he had planned for you from the very beginning would be able to come to pass through the covenant that he's made with you. And so to operate in faith and to really operate and begin to operate, live in the understanding of this covenant, one of the first things that you have to settle in your mind is that God himself is out and concerned with your best interests at heart. God has your best interests in his heart. You're like, well, if he has my best interests, why isn't all this turning out? Because you have to ask yourself this question. Do I have his best interests in my heart? Because if you only have your best interests, which you don't know what they are because you didn't create you, you only know your wants and desires, not your best and highest. So we depart from God, and we want our best, we want our desires, we want, which is off of what God knows is our best. But when we turn our hearts and say, I'm in covenant with him, and he has my best interests in his heart. And I have his best interests in my heart. We're in covenant. Now I trust him with everything. Everything. And when I trust him with everything, I become enfolded into him. The belief even in ancient blood covenants was that when you partake of that other person's blood, their very life is flowing through your brain, your, your veins and your brain, and you become one. To the point that some of them, uh, uh, if I'm just friends, you know, I have no idea about his family, so I'm just using an example. Uh, if if I'm friends with uh, Zane and he has a good-looking sister, and I'm thinking, you know, we're not related here, I could maybe date her, and then I decide I'm cutting a blood covenant with him. In some cultures, it says, now I cannot marry his sister. Because that would be incestuous. Because his sister now becomes my sister because our blood is commingled. Blood covenant. Believing very deeply that we're one. Yet we as Christians are like, I can do whatever I want. God's just going to take me to heaven. No, he says there's a covenant here. And when he talks about you being one and us being one with God as he's one, he's talking covenant language. So that when he says, listen, all these things, if you believe in this covenant, anybody who believes will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. I'm trying to believe. No, if you believe in the covenant, his life is commingled with my life. And if Jesus laid hands on the sick and they recover, and I have the same kind of life and quality of life through covenant, when I lay hands on the sick, the sick recover. He said that firm belief, that conviction that nobody can change your mind about that brings you into a covenant relationship. So he says that oneness. Then he said I want my body to be one as I am one. And so Romans chapter 12 where we we're looking at bring your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service worship. And don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Message Bible says it like this. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walk around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity. So in all the things we've been talking about, if we look at our culture, our culture through everything becoming so instant, has become a disposable culture. It's a disposable culture. They even want you to buy new. They don't want you to fix it, repair, commit to it. They just want you to throw it out and get a new one. So our appliances we throw out, we get a new one. Right? Right? Many people, they, they pray a prayer, get salvation. It doesn't turn out how they like. They'll just go get a, check out a different religion. Marriage. I got married. It wasn't what I expected. I'll just quit and go get a new one. Church relationships. Well, I came to church. They said something I didn't like. I'll just go to a new church. But in every one of those relationships, you can think what you want, but God's looking And understanding what he's called us to, how he's called us together. And he doesn't see it as disposable. He sees covenant. He says, as we fellowship together, understanding covenant, having revelation, walking in the light as he is in the light, understanding the depth of covenant, we begin to have fellowship with one another, fellowship with him Fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. He said, when we're fellowshipping together with the understanding of covenant and what the blood of Jesus does, there's something that starts to happen that if I have an understanding of it and I commune with you, that same life, that same forgiveness, that same cleansing that I have a revelation of starts to move throughout the body. So instead of condemning one another, being offended with one another, looking at the faults of one another, we can't see that because the blood of Jesus is flowing and correcting and connecting and cleansing out all sin, so we no longer know each other after the flesh and what we have done after the flesh because any man that be in Christ is a new creation. And that's what God has planned for us. When you connect to a local church body, but then he says in a local church body, you create that strength of that calling, but you're also connected and in love with another local church body. See, we think, well, we should all just come together and hang out in the same room. Well, your body doesn't all hang out in the same room. Well, it does in the same room. They're not in the same place. I mean, your hand doesn't hang out in your right shoe. But it's part of your body. They don't dislike each other. I mean, some people might have this issue, but my right hand never gets a hammer and pounds on my left foot. It takes care of it. Cares about it. We care about the body of Christ. We link with the body of Christ. There's a unity of the faith. There's a unity of the understanding we're all covenanted together by the blood of Jesus. And God brings certain people to certain places to connect together. Gifts and talents and and abilities to increase so that we not only serve one another, but we serve the community that we live in. Can't do that if there's not a, here's a cuss word, commitment. (laughs) Why don't we do what somebody else is doing? Because God's called us to that. But the commitment that we have to one another, to serve one another, builds a strength in serving the community and the people who come in around us. But when we just determine, I'll do whatever I want, we have a different understanding of covenant. But then we begin to not know why things are taking place in our life. So the definition of covenant is a divinely created bond. Divinely created bond. God made it. God defines it. God defines the parameters of these divinely created bonds and covenants. The Greek and Hebrew word just simply mean to cut. To cut covenant. So it means, you know what? There has to be an incision made. And blood has to be mingled to join life. God knew that. He brought us into that great covenant. So there's a number of different terms that are used in the Bible that we'll talk about as we go through it. Friendship. Friendship. Got a great song, I'm a friend of God. Most people sing that and in their mentality, they're thinking, whew, God's my buddy. And the big JC, he's my friend. Well, God's not talking about being your buddy. He's talking about something much different. Even Isaiah, when he's writing, he said, uh, I have a covenant with Jacob that carries through Jacob from Abraham, my friend, my friend. Abraham became a friend of God, not simply because he would raise his children, right? He became a friend of God because he entered into a covenant with God. And so when Jesus said, I no longer call you servant, but I call you friend, he said, we're coming into a place of covenant oneness that I can trust you with everything that the Father has told me because what he's told me, I'm telling you because what I would carry out now because of covenant, you will carry out. We have covenant friendship. We talk about love a lot. But God, when he talks about love, he's talking about covenant love. Covenant love. So he said, when you love each other with covenant, he said, the whole world around you will know that you are my disciples because of the type of love that you have for one another. So if the world looks at the church, or you have friends in the world, and you're always complaining about the church and the people in the church They don't know that you belong to Jesus because you're not expressing covenant love for each other. You're airing differences out in the world instead of resolving differences through covenant means with one another. We start to understand this, put this to practice. We'll realize we have each other's back. It's not about my gifts and my callings for my sake. It's to do the will of God together. To accomplish his will and the bigness and and the purpose of his will together. That covenant friendship. Victory. Victory. We have over our our doors. Thanks be unto God. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Who in here feels like you always triumph? Praise the Lord. Some of you. Praise the Lord. And, And you can do that. I'm not saying like if you do, praise the Lord. Most people don't. They feel like they're getting kicked around. But again, when we understand covenant, we know, thanks be unto God, who always gives us the victory. David went out and defeated Goliath, not because he was much greater than anybody else. He knew covenant. He had been meditating on covenant, looking at covenant. So when he walked out, the first thing he did is he realized, this guy has no covenant with God. And I have a covenant with God. He is uncircumcised. I have a covenant with God. I'll feed you to the birds, your carcass to the birds today, because I have a covenant with God. When the enemy comes against your life, comes against my life, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, my covenant with God gives me victory over any strategy of the enemy, anyone who doesn't have a covenant with God, As he told Joshua, nobody will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as you walk in the covenant that I've placed before you. In Chronicles, they sent the praisers out for battle. When we think about that, whoo, praise and worship. What were they doing? They were declaring covenant. They said, For the Lord is good, and his has said endures forever. His covenant mercy upon us endures forever. We're declaring as we come in praise that our God is good. We have a covenant with him and his mercies rest upon us so you cannot defeat us. And they showed up and God, God went before them because they understood covenant. Covenant is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Glory to God. There's blessing to the covenant. Blessing to the covenant. We're going to do this just a little bit uh, more. Just want to close with this. Just been studying this book on the blood covenant. It goes through all kinds of different ancient rites and covered, uh, covenant. Uh, Henry Stanley, who was a reporter from New York, went to look for a Scottish missionary. In the 1800s, late 1800s, uh, looking for uh, uh, Dr. Livingston, who had gone to Africa, and he came up missing. Nobody had heard from him for a long time. So Henry Stanley went to look for him, and, and when he got to Africa, he ended up making over 50 blood covenants with tribes in Africa. One in particular, we'll share how he exchanged gifts uh, about that. But in this uh, large covenant, one, he made a covenant years, four years before with a representative of his in the representative tribe. But then they were having some friction in that covenant. So they came, and the the dominant chief of this tribe only wanted to cut covenant with Stanley. So they both, they mingled, not their representatives. They mingled their blood together. And so this is what he said after this. uh, All the names are all funny names, so I won't read them. But I'm just going to share this part with you. He said... uh, He's announcing there's 2,000 of the tribe that's right there in the circle around the covenant ceremony that they've just performed, 2,000 people. And and the chief rises up with this loud voice and and booming voice, and he lets them know. He says, we are one today, today. He says, we have joined hands. Hurt not Bulamatari's, that's Stanley, Bulamatari's people. Steal not from them. Offend them not, bring food and sell it to him at fair price, gently, kindly, and in peace. He is my brother. Hear you, ye people of Iboko, you by the riverside, and you of the interior. And so they all two thousand said together, We hear Matapa Buaki, shouted the whole multitude. And the ceremony ended. He said, Listen, now we've cut covenant. You all have been messing with Stanley and his people. We cut a covenant today. Not one of you touches him, but you teach him, treat him fairly, buy and sell. He belongs to us. That's what covenant does it sets you up to have each other's back. God set it up that we'd be blessed, live long. We'd prosper and be in health and strength in every facet of life. I believe he wants us to understand covenant like we've never understood it before. The divisions will cease. The gifts will spring forth. The understanding of life and health and healing will flow like a river. The divisions that the enemy has created will be healed. Bonds brought back together, people return to the relationships that God's ordained for them to have. I believe it's time for the church to rise up and to come forth as a mighty mighty force in this generation. We live in the last of the last days where trouble will cover the earth because men's selfishness, their desire for self, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, backbiters, gossipers. sexually immoral, all kinds of wrong, have a form of godliness but deny the power of God, he said all that would take place. But there would be a church that adheres to the word of God and covenant of God that would rise up and be strengthened for a last day's harvest and revival. I believe much of this is the understanding of it, The keeping it in the forefront of our thinking will help us to understand the spirit within, the spirit upon, and the spirit among us. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't come into a place where there's division. He comes into a place where there's unity. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you. We glorify you today for you are good and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us in the upcoming days to communicate covenant in a way that we can grasp it with our hearts, with our minds, that in that thinking and being in the forefront of our thinking shapes what we see, how we see it, what we think, how we think it, what we say and how we say it, what we do and how we do it, recognizing that we are in covenant with you, that we represent you, that you go before us and represent us. There's favor with you and with man. That we operate together seamlessly as the body of Christ. And we here as a member of that body to fulfill that which you've called us to do. That we understand covenant commitment, covenant love, covenant friendship. The victory that you've given us through covenant. Help us to articulate it, to grasp it, to embrace it. And allow it to become the very substance of our life. That faith that we have. Not just in a story but in what you've done in bringing us into divine covenant with you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, healing or anything, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, say, you know what, that's the first thing I need to do is enter into a relationship, a covenant relationship with him. There's altar workers that will be up here, just tell them, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior they'll lead you in that prayer of consecration to him, commitment, making him Lord of your life. And you'll enter into that covenant with him. You'll be saved. Old things will be passed away. Sin will be forgiven. You'll be washed clean and live in a relationship with him. They'll be up here to pray with you about that. I want you to say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Jesus? far seeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You'll be dismissed. Make it a great day. Cause I'm high.